Welcome back to the best episode of Hoop Fiends yet. The podcast most likely to get in the car. Too many people, too much stuff. Ship up to Boston, Massachusetts to go to a NBA Finals game to only realize the cheapest ticket is close to $1,000. And we cannot go. And we're just going to watch it here in our home base of New Jersey and just get Quadoba. <laughs> That's all we got in store for tonight. <laughs> but we have an awesome episode ahead. We are going to eulogize the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat and see what's coming up for them ahead and give a great preview at these NBA Finals. Some of us are invested. All of us are invested, some more than others. Riley, go ahead and break this down for us really quick off the bat. Coming off that game, seven against the Heat, What's the vibe like going into the finals against the Warriors? Um, well, I can tell you my own personal opinion may differ from everybody else. I, I'm just so happy that this finally worked out. I'm just riding this high, man. The fact that, like, I'm going to be able to see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart in a finals game, I, at least four of them, amazing. I'm, uh, is, that I'm just, a- is that enough, though? Like. Will you feel like this year is a win just getting to the finals, or do you have to win it to feel satisfied? I personally feel like this is enough. I feel like they've gotten over this hump where they finally have made it out of the Eastern Conference. Um, at this point, anything else is just icing on the cake for me personally because these guys are still so young, and there's so much left to prove. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love for them to win. I want them to win more than anything, and I think they really can win. But I'll just say right do. now – for my own my own mental sanity, I'm at peace right now. Steven, do you think it's do or die for the Boston Celtics? Uh, do or die is a weird term, right? Because uh, I feel like the do or die was this series against the Heat. Like, if yeah. they don't, if yeah. they don't win against, I agree the Heat, with that. Yeah, if there's if they don't win against the Heat, there's going to be major questions. Could you imagine the media cycle first take like the next day, like, oh, so you're telling me the Celtics are going to repeat year after year, falling apart? Like, it would be a, a nightmare. But and I think now, if if I don't think they will, and I don't want them to, but if they lose to the Warriors, people will be like, good for them, they have a good future ahead. I don't think they would get that treatment if they dropped that game seven. Well, the thing is, it's like nope. they, they got to that game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals before. So, like, if they lose to the Heat here, like, five years later or however long it was since they lost LeBron, they haven't accomplished anything. But, like, since they were able to actually get over that hump, I think they're able to be like, okay, like, this is gravy. Let's go play against, like, one of the greatest dynasties of all time, see what we can do. We have had success against them, like. We know Jalen and Jason Tatum can get to a finals. Like, there's nothing bad that can happen. Yeah, and that that's basically in so many words is I think honestly, how most Celtics fans feel. Um, this is a very dire game because they've been to so many Eastern Conference Finals together and they've never been able to get over the hump. And only if they've never been able to get over the hump, they failed to close out in big moments. Mm. And if anything, if this playoff run has shown us anything is that they're more than willing to step up in the biggest moments, even against the heat who had them on the ropes quite a few times and they fell back and were kind of on the run from them. They were able to finally just step on their throats and close it out. And uh, I'm very happy that it has finally all worked out. I'm happy with what Jason Tatum has shown us and what he can be. Yeah. It really does feel like sky's the limit for him. Now I, I feel like he, 
I mean, we again, we I feel like we talk about Jason Tatum and like what he could be every episode, but yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm I'm beyond pumped. I think they had a crazy road ahead. And Dude, you know I'm what's just... crazy is like I don't know. We've been friends for a long time, and like we've watched a lot of basketball in that time. And the, in this past postseason, we've seen the Celtics like finish the revenge tour. Right, every team they've beaten has been a team that's knocked them out of the finals, but. You know, we've seen it brought up in the past couple of weeks that in the Steve Kerr Warriors era, I think the Celtics have the best record against them. They're nine and seven in the regular season against the Warriors. That's pretty big. And I feel like I remember that that game in 2016 where the Warriors were that were the team with the best record in the regular season of all time. The Celtics knocked them off. Like, I feel like this is kind of in line with their revenge tour. I just feel like it's it's a team with destiny a little bit. I think it's a great matchup. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but just like, I don't know, this this feels narratively very in line. I mean, if you think from a narrative standpoint, they beat Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who some of the best players in the league, and two of them are some of the best players of all time. And now they're going to be playing up against Steph Curry again, an all-time historic great and against Steve Kerr and the rest of the Golden State Warriors, some of the best in NBA history, it really does kind of – you're right, John. It really does feel kind of like it, the storybook's written for them, but I'm definitely not counting, counting the Warriors out. They've been – Well, so here's where I'm going to jump in because obviously we'll, we'll break down the finals more later on. But if we're talking narrative and storylines and arcs here, like you guys kind of just said, the Celtics kind of completed theirs. And – who didn't complete theirs? That's the Warriors. That's Klay Thompson. That's Steph Curry getting his Finals MVP. That's Klay Thompson not playing in, not playing for two years, and finally back in this scenario. That's the big three trying to win without uh, KD on the roster. That's what I think. If there's a narrative going into this Finals specifically, I think it favors them. And yeah, the Team of Destiny. Could, you could use that argument for the Celtics to win the East. But I think Team of Destiny is on the other side personally. All right. That's a, that's totally fair. Well, why don't we back it up a little bit and let's get rid of the two loser teams that we can talk about. Let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. We already kind of predicted the Warriors would close them out in four. It took one game longer than expected. Um, but yeah, Golden State ended up winning in five. And uh, Dallas, Luca especially, had one of his more disappointing games. Still played pretty well at 28 points, but just yeah, it wasn't that great and the rest of the team they kind of got smoked out um anything else you guys want to say uh the Mavs on this playoff run I think we're all pretty amazed they even made it this far to be honest yeah I mean we kind of touched upon it we pretty much uh said farewell to Luca after he was down 3-0 um I thought it was kind of cool and impressive that they were able to get one game but again it was literally just the team just shoots so many threes they were just due to make some and then they were able to like win yeah. one game off of it I think the coolest part about all of that, though, was, like, the fact that the Baby Warriors almost came back on them in Game 4. That was, like, part of the coolest part of the, se- uh, the series when Dallas was up, like, 29. And then Kaminga and Moody and all those guys almost literally came back and beat Luka themselves, which was, like, kind of crazy. Um, but that's just – I mean, we'll get to it, but the Babies is what scares me for the Celtics' chances. Is like, I think the Warriors are a bit deeper than people really think. Yeah, they definitely are. And I just think that that alone says a little bit about the Mavs, too. It's like 
Yeah, the one game they were able to win, they almost lost to a bunch of random scrubs who were not. I shouldn't say scrubs because I like all those guys, but just guys who have no experience, who have never been anything before, almost led a 29-point comeback against the Mavs. It's like they, yeah, we've said it a few times on this pod, they cannot enter this offseason saying, Eh, we got to the Western Conference Finals. We're in a good spot. Like blah blah blah. They need to make some changes. They need to find a way to build around Luca. Yeah, no, definitely. They definitely can't just sit by and let this team develop into what it is. Because I think it's a miracle that they even got this far ahead. Mostly due to how their schedule um, side the bracket of the playoffs shaped out. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I think they have a long way to go before they can be real finals contenders, but not saying it can't happen next year, man. I think they'll be right there. The, when you have a player as good as Luka Doncic, the sky is the limit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some other Luka doubters out there. I don't think any of them are part of this pod. I don't know who not, they are. I don't know. <laughs> Their name rhymes with Schmon Schmosborn, but Schmon Schmosborn. I think Schmon actually has to come on the pod and yes. Kiss him a pod. It, it was incredible to see him because he's, I don't know, like it's, I hate the term. It's a make or miss league, but like when your team isn't completely at a level where they're so deep and so well-rounded that, the, that they're going to win a title. And when teams get hot and go on, on runs, it's a make or miss team. And that's really what the Dallas Mavericks were, but you don't get to be that kind of team unless you just have an absolute superstar at the center of it. And that's what they proved to be. And they just gotta be thrilled to have what they have under um under their stadium right now with Luka Doncic and priority has to be going out and getting another superstar this year. Have you guys seen any of the uh, potential like fake trades that are getting thrown out there for how they could build around him under Bleacher Report? Any of those? Well, Some people are saying Rudy Gobert, like a Bradley Beal, any of that kind of stuff. Who, who personally, really quick, who do you, who, not who? But just what does Luca need to like actually pair really well with, with him? I mean, I would love the one that gets passed around all the time is them just going out and signing DeAndre Ayton. And I think that would do wonders for the team. It gives him a legit second star. Um, we, we know that Ayton can't create as much off the ball as we would like, but when you have as good of a facilitator and point guard as Luca, I think they could totally be able to figure it out. I, um, He's also really young. He's obviously matches up with Lucas' yeah. timeline. They'd be just paying those two guys. I, Aiton's, I think, I don't know if he's an old, I think he's an all-star caliber player, uh, but not a perennial guy, but definitely a guy who would, as he steps into his prime, would benefit from playing with a guy like Lucas. So I think it'd be a great move for them to have uh, Aiden, especially in a team that is getting killed without a big right now. Uh, the the one interesting one that I've seen a lot too. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I don't know how I feel about it, but I've seen a lot of Julius Randle buzz to Dallas. Really? I've <laughs> yeah. seen, I've seen are you, you're just making that up. No, I'm actually not. A lot of sign and trade. Wait, stuff. so is it Julius to Dallas and and the Knicks get Luca back? <laughs> <laughs> Luca and uh, Jalen Brunson. We get them both. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's a lot um, of sign yeah, and No, trade. that's interesting. It's sign and trade buzz uh, with like us getting Brunson and them getting uh, Julius mm. and stuff around that. I mean, I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, yeah which, I mean, is, which is why would the Dallas Mavericks do that? You guys are so mean to Julius, bro. Oh, I don't know, Steven. 
<laughs> I want to put my foot down here and be like, I just feel like Julius kind of has to have the ball in his hands a bit more these past two years. Oh, no, that's the issue is he's had the ball in his hands too much. If Luca has the ball in his hands, Julius Randle can't be doing Julius Randle dumb things. My, my thing with that, I think, and why I think it's an interesting idea, why I don't think it would work is Luca, as great of a player as he is, can be kind of a hothead when things aren't going his way. And Julie, if there's one thing I've learned about Julius Randle this season is that he's kind of a dick. I mean, I think Luca's so good. He's like a Jordan or LeBron where he actually really can't have that big of personalities around him. You know, like as soon as Kyrie starts to act like it, boom, gone. Like that was never Jordan's thing. I think he is that good. I don't know. I, I think it could work personally. I just, I, I guess I'm on the, uh, the, uh, an island here, but I just think Julius, he needs to take, go to a place where someone is going to take all the spotlight away. He could just be a number two, number three option, not have to be a point guard, which he would never have to do. Can be a secondary option. Think of the wonders that he did for Spe- Luca did for Spencer Dinwiddie. Even Spencer Dinwiddie was just a valuable role player. Like Julius Randle could just be himself. No one's going to care. No, I mean, you're right. The only thing, I, I don't know how well it would work just in, on a contract level, just because I think he's due, he's due like what, uh, like $62 million, Julius Randle. Oh my so, gosh. So they'd, they'd have to pay, pony up a lot of money for Brunson. Well, that's the unfortunate thing is that Brunson's going to get like a max deal. Yeah. Maybe to put a, I don't know if it's to put a cap in it, but like another thing where I'm, that has been coming to my mind when we talk about Luke and the Mavs, He's an absolute superstar, no doubt. He's going to win multiple championships in this league in this time. But I think that's it. I think I, I think LeBron is the cap. Not to sound crazy, but I think at this point in the NBA, I think the max that a superstar could win is like three. I really do. I think the league is that good and things move around so quickly that we're not going to see. That's why I think actually – LeBron as a GOAT right now is actually going to turn out to be kind of a hyperbolic statement. He is fantastic, is undeniable, and is unique to be able to go to eight straight finals. But winning six titles like Jordan did is crazy. I don't think anyone's going to come close to like five like Kobe did. I think things are moving all the time and so fast. I don't think like someone like Luke is going to dominate like that. So when we're talking about building on this team – I think it's like about like getting people around him quickly to move and to get one in there, finish it off like that, you know? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I I completely agree with you in that sense. I mean, even look at Giannis, like he, he won his one Fucking ring. Hard, yeah. He won his one ring, it was tough, and it's already kind of cemented him as like, all right, he's probably one of the 30 best players ever. I, right. I that's, that's, it. Yeah, that's all he needed. Yeah, you just you just pretty much you players just players like one. that, yeah. That's yeah. all he needed. Um, it's when you want to reach the LeBron Jordan level where you need to start winning like five or six. Yeah, exactly. When, when you need to be in like the Pantheon kind of guys, but yeah. Oh yeah. I've Lucas, what, like 24 years old. I think he's got plenty of time to worry about that. He's not even 23. He's 22 actually. He's so young. Yeah. He's got, he, he looks like he's 30, but he may be. I remember I, 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 yes. suppose that. I think he actually may be like 26 or 28. Sky's the limit for this Mavs team. And, like, I think they raised their profile as a team that people want to go play for, which is a huge just overall net positive for them. I think they made the playoffs more fun. I 
the three of us, let's go ahead and give ourselves a big pat on the back. We've never been huge on this Suns team. I think them knocking the Suns off made the postseason more fun again. I don't think any of those games were that great, but it's a good thing that they're out of it. We love chaos. We love visibility. So I, I do want to give a big, you know, big send off to this, the 2022 Dallas Mavericks. That was fun. Here's uh, just one last question because when if you lo- I hate this Dallas Mavericks roster besides Luka Doncic I think it's disgusting. You don't you don't like Bertans? No, I don't. <laughs> so my my question to you guys is, it who would win in a seven game series, and in how many games would they win? The Denver Nuggets without Jokic or the Dallas Mavericks without Luka? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'll take the rain here. Uh. I'd probably say – I think it has to be the Mavs, even though they suck. Like, you take away Jokic, who does anything on the on uh, Denver? Like, at least the Mavs have Brunson, Dinwiddie. Like, I'm assuming, hopefully in this scenario – well, in this scenario, scenario, we're assuming everyone else is hurt who's hurt. Yeah. Okay. So then yeah, yeah, no like, Jamal Murray, no, like, a Porter Jr. So, like, who on Denver is, like, doing anything at that point? I literally have already forgotten who, like, the third option on the Denver Nuggets is. I mean, the, if, if Jokic just magically went, like, out for, like, a year and then they still don't have Porter Jr. and they still don't have uh, Jamal Murray, I think they'd just be like, all right, let's just, like, give the keys to Bones and see what happens. I think that's what, like, would end up happening because who else would, like, score the basketball? No, you're right. Like, Aaron Gordon stinks. I hate Aaron Gordon. Yes, I also I do as well. Yeah, I don't know that, but that just shows you. I I feel like this Mavericks roster just absolutely sucks. They have a long way to go. It, it really felt kind of uh, early Cavs LeBron level, where he just is like dragging horrible, pathetic teams to conference finals berths and NBA finals berths. So, again, only the future is up for Luca. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think the uh, the LeBron comparisons are like warranted because. <laughs> It's like you said, very similar to his first runs. And like, I just, I forget sometimes. It's like, yeah, LeBron. I gave him so much shit for it. Like, LeBron just wasn't able to win a championship until he like went and formed these super teams on Miami. And like, no one's really going to be doing that anymore nowadays. So it's it goes back to that original thing. It's like the one or two titles is going to be more impressive. Like, and if Luca just finds a way like soon to get even into the finals i think he's like on pace to be one of the greatest we've ever seen which is just very cool yeah definitely and we can touch more on that point in a little bit when we get to the finals because i know that's going to come up um but uh why don't we jump to the east where uh on sunday steve and i were together to watch uh the boston celtics close it out over the miami heat I wish I we had, wish we had more energy for this game because it was a phenomenal game. But it we were was. both just so tired, <laughs> like our entire weekend. week, which yeah. has nothing to do with this podcast. But yeah, um, great game, great series overall. Actually, um, back and forth every all the way, as like we discussed on our last recording, the whole thing felt like a toss up all the way through until the final minutes of Game Seven. Um, I, Steve, I know you were big on the Heat the entire year. I had a couple of qualms with them. I left this series actually being really impressed with them and what they've developed, and I appreciate Spo a lot more. I appreciate Jimmy Butler a lot more as a player. I like I like their roster a lot. I'm interested to see it how it looks next year. And um, yeah, I, I thought it just was an absolutely great series. Yeah, uh, 
I just want I'll take take the mic here and probably just talk for a while. Just talk. Go for it. Um, I don't know where John went. Yeah, to to the listeners, John. I think his phone died. That's my best guess because he definitely charged it for a little bit before recording, and then now it's dead. Uh, And I'm sure he would have liked to hear this part too about me going off about the heat, but it, it it has to happen. Oh, here he is. Perfect timing. Uh, <laughs> John, John, are you back? Are you with us? Are you with us, John? Can you hear us? I'm with you. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. You got back just in time. Uh, I'm giving a heat speech. Riley oh, set me up perfectly. Please proceed. Yeah, Riley set me up perfectly. Riley, I don't know if you want to repeat what you just said for John real quick. Kind of. Um, just that... I know from my own opinion, John, I was a little bit more anti-heat and what they brought to the table. And I left this series being very impressed with their team and their formation. Um, I think what I got out of Jimmy Butler, what I got out of Spo as a coach, and that they were able to almost beat a much more talented team. I definitely definitely feel a lot of uh, more respect for them than I did the entire season. Yeah, so now that I have the floor, I want to yeah, say. Wait, let's give what? us a culture talk. Give us like, give us a big picture talk as a Heat fan. What's coming down the pipe? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll get into <laughs> all that. Uh, but at, at first, all I do want to say is that this is the best case scenario possible. As much as I would have loved for a personal like reasons, uh, Warriors Heat finals. A Warriors-Celtics finals is just so much better, so much better for basketball, so much better for the league, so much more entertaining, so much more fun. I don't want to watch, like, 90 to 88, like, finals games where Jimmy Butler is, like, limping up the court and, like, people are dying left and right. Kyle Lowry's just flying yeah, off like, the screen. It was, it was some personal... His ass just takes up half the paint. I enjoy it a lot, but, like, I don't, I don't need that in the finals, especially... Like with the Warriors on this other side, I wasn't going to be rooting for them anyway. So like, I'd rather almost have a team like the Celtics where I could at least root against them a little bit, and it'll be way more fun for me. Um, and then in the other vein, it's just I feel I feel really really satisfied with the the way they went out. And Riley, you t- you said it. I mean, it was clear that the Celtics were just a way way better team, more talent, better just, just better players all around, and yet. It came down to literally one shot, Jimmy Butler, for the win, and it didn't fall. And that just goes, as much as you hate it, as much as you don't like it, it just vindicates heat culture, man. That heat culture is real. They all will fucking die for the basketball that they are playing. And somehow, some way, through all the injuries, through all the hurt they were going through, the lack of talent, Max Struess, being like the second option on offense, they still found a way to make it a one position game in game seven in the NBA or in the Eastern conference finals against a great team. And it just, it's vindication, man. I love the heat culture. I love everything it's about. And I'm just, it was very, very satisfying for the way it went. It ended. I'm very happy. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely completely agree. Um, as happy as I was with the entire outcome, I just I feel that the Miami Heat they were I wasn't giving them a lot of credit the entire season, uh, definitely not. And I was very impressed that how much they would not die, how much of a, yeah. how much fighters they were. They were literally they were like cockroaches, man. Anytime you thought you put them away for good, 
Jimmy Butler would hit a big shot or Struess would just like chuck up actually three crazy. out of nowhere. Um, they would not die. They had a lot of fight in them. And uh, it was cool to see. I still hate them as a team. I hate how they play basketball. <laughs> I think it's disgusting to watch. <laughs> it's gross to watch. It's boring. It's not fun. Lowry stinks. But I don't know, man. Very, they're much more talented than I was giving them credit for, and maybe they are closer to Boston and Milwaukee than I was uh, giving them. That's my next take. I mean, that's all I really had to say was, like, I think this year, the bubble year, people are like, is this just an anomaly with Miami? But, like, I feel really good about those three teams you just rattled off as being, like, who you have to go through in the East going forward. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it, – Everyone else is a mess. It, and, like, it, again, we laugh. We meme it out about culture. But, like, culture is kind of a meme word, but, like, what always gets thrown around and what people take more seriously is a sense of identity. Like, if a team just has an identity, they know what they're going for, they know who their guys are, they know who, how to, who to build around, they know what their future looks like a little bit, you're just so much more set up. And I think Boston, Milwaukee, Miami actually do have, like, a good plan going forward. And they're just really versatile – I think I had them out round two. Am I really messed up? <laughs> Sixers playing the Suns. Sixers winning in six. Terrible pre-postseason bracket. And I can't believe that this Heat team actually got to Game 7 Eastern Finals. It really is. It is something. It's it's really rare that it happens. But, like, I feel like uh, it's tough for it's tough for like I, to imagine that Miami's walking out of this feel like it was a net positive for Miami because again their culture they probably feel like they should have won the whole thing this year but like God across everything I think everyone's personal stock in Jimmy Butler just rose a ton right well yeah it, it was astounding uh what he was able to do in game six and literally every single including honestly including even me I thought they were dead in game six I thought it was gonna be all over going back into Boston absolutely literally everybody was like previewing the NBA finals Golden State versus uh the Celtics already at that point and then it it just speaks to this this belief that most fans just like didn't believe in this team and it's just it's because they didn't have the talent they didn't have the star power but when it comes down to it, they're always going to put up a fight. They're going to scratch and claw, find a way to make it interesting. And that's what I've always seen in the past few years. They just find a way, no matter what, even if they're not good enough. And that's what I love about them. It just it personifies, like, how I want – I would want to play basketball, even though it sucks. It's like, that's how I want to play. And it's just, it's, it's just astounding the run they were able to go on this year. And Jimmy Butler, like you said, John – 47 uh, in game six, playing yeah. basically every minute of the last two games, uh, taking over in the second quarter of game seven. Like, everything he was able to do without, like, any help whatsoever was amazing. And J- I think Jimmy Butler has, like, so- cemented his legacy in the league for sure. I believe he's top five ever in highest points scored in a playoff game facing elimination. Like, he doesn't get more clutch than that. I think that was the biggest question with the Heat is like, it's a little bit, we have it on, we have the evidence. I was saying that what people always credit the Heat for having is a super deep bench, but in the playoffs, really at the end of the day, you have to have like your best player out there. And it was kind of the opposite for the Heat this year. It's like their role players and their bench was like iffy, but it was their starters, particularly in Jimmy Butler 
and Bam. Bam was pretty solid throughout the playoffs. He wasn't like amazing, but he's, he was consistent. But it was their starters, in particular Jimmy Butler, that just held it down. And it's going to carry into next season. And I'm excited to see what they do. Well, and they just, we'll be definitely be talking about this in the offseason, but I don't really know what they're going to do because their roster is really old, really expensive. And oh, yeah. what are their and their what are their best offensive options? In Victor Oladipo is going to be a free agent. I don't know if he's going to want to sign up to be a, a bench guy on the Miami Heat. Um, so it'll be interesting to see and how they look moving forward. I, they'll still still probably be pretty good, but it's not like they got a bunch of spring chickens right here. They're getting pretty old. Well, yeah, I mean, two of their bigger contracts are one Duncan Robinson who doesn't even play. So like they're going to have to find a way to figure out what to do with that contract and get rid of it if they're really going to uh, move away from that. And then it's Kyle Lowry who literally looked washed. And I, I do want to say a little bit, uh, I think Kyle Lowry is getting a little too much hate for his yeah. game seven performance specifically. Like he was really bad earlier in the series, but like he was the only one other than Jimmy or Bam to literally do anything in game seven. Definitely. Like, yeah. He shot four of 12, not good, but like, he had 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. Like, he did – he tried compared to, like, uh, P.J. Tucker, who had zero points, my guy, and Tyler Hero, who, like, couldn't move, gave Vincent – like, nobody did anything. Like, at least he did – he showed up in game six and seven. Uh, but he's still, like, the falling, the just constant falling and not being able to, like, move properly. That's bad. But I, I want to – Yeah, I, I wanted to stand up for him a little bit. Um. And then it's the contract that gives him the bad reputation. Because right. I thought, holy shit. And he's like, gonna be, he's gonna be 37 next year, right? And like, he gets the fat jokes oh too that James Harden gets, but again, he's like 37 and like he he deserve he won a championship, like he could get a little chunky. I think that's fine. Oh, I mean, it's fine. I mean, yeah, we're all husky boys here, like, it's an I completely relate to it. It's okay, no problem with that. There. It's the little things that he does that backs it up. I think the move that they went for, and as you do, as a team that was, like, in the finals two years ago and really competitive the past year, you go in and try to get one guy to get it all done. I don't blame them for the Kyle move at all. No, no. It was worth a shot. And, I mean, before this, he was, like, really good still. So, like, you couldn't have predicted it would get this bad this quick. No, Robinson and Lowry for, for Russ going to happen? I would love that. <laughs> That'd be fun. Russ. D'Angelo or Westbrook? Westbrook. <laughs> oh, the worst part of my no, that's that's a tough statement. <laughs> One of the top fifteen worst things of this calendar year was having to not trade it in, but like consider my Russell Westbrook fandom card. Well, you did. You traded it to me. Who would I get in return? <laughs> I was like, you got a on one side. <laughs> That's a terrible trip. <laughs> oh, no, but yeah, he, that's that's not good. We'll we'll get to that in a few months, but ugly. But God, like you know what? We'll get to the heat too. It finally gave us some pretty good games since seven were really great. Yeah, thank God. Uh, I, I feel like since we're an NBA pod, we're obligated to talk about it too. I thought the Jimmy shot was good. I think I think you want the ball in Jimmy's hands in that spot in Game Seven. That guy does not want to go overtime. He knows if this game goes to overtime, they're probably going to lose. Jimmy has been one of the clutchest players in the NBA, one of the clutchest players on his team. I live with that three he took for the win. I don't know if you guys agree. I thought it would have been better to go for a two just because he had such a wide open lane. 
but uh in a I, vacuum yes i, I can't agree. say i can't say i hate it I, <laughs> I i'm fine with jimmy butler taking the last shot in this situation especially how he's been playing the last couple of games in the moment I stood up from my chair and go, I literally just went, why the fuck would you do that? I said it aloud. But, like, I, I literally cooled down. I heard in his post-game interview, he was like, I was so tired. I knew we would have lost in overtime. I get that. And at the same time, like, you don't know how the officials are going to call it if you try to go at the rack and try to get the foul from Mal Horford. That's up to chance. The only thing you know for sure is, like, I have plenty of time left. Let me try to get a three-off. He didn't completely miss. He just rimmed out. Like, wasn't a terrible shot. I don't mind it. Jimmy Butler is not, like, historically a three-point shooter, but his three-point shooting has been pretty consistent across the playoffs. Take the shot. Yeah, like, he's no Isaiah Thomas, but I feel like he also gets, like, king of the fourth vibes. Like, take over time. I I trust him to hit any shot. And, like, to be honest, why I think it was a fine shot, when he shot it, I, like, 100% thought it was going in. I was like, that's going in. It looked pretty good. And just that alone, I feel like, you know what, if I thought it was going in and I had that kind of confidence in that in a guy like Jimmy Butler, I think he should have that confidence in himself. I, I was cool with it. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. It's been crazy how much it's been talked about in the past week. And last thing on him, he's, I mean, his case for the Hall of Fame was interesting, but I feel like now it's going to be hard for him to not make it, in my opinion, as long as he yeah. just has a few more good years. I see yeah. a Hall of Famer. Me too. I ride with it. All right. Do you guys want to start talking about the finals? Preview it a little bit. What we got going on? I'll yeah. say this. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot take. Right? I like, you know, like, I don't know. There's, there's years where it's like, God, like, this is going to be really one-sided. Like, how's it even going to be close? It's going to be close. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm definitely hyped. Uh, I think these are the again going into the finals, the conference finals. These are the two best teams left, so I'm happy they finally get to actually play each other. And um, yeah, dude, I mean, it's going to be a ton of fun. I think the Celtics match up really well against Golden State, and uh, I don't know, dude. I I'm feeling pretty confident as the Celtics. I'm not saying that they have it in the bag by any means. It's going to be tough, but. I still have a lot of questions with the Warriors that I haven't really gotten answered yet. And um, it's going to be interesting to see and I would to how they actually take this one. Not the whole thing, but I think what a good amount of it comes down to is this, is I'm looking at it like this, is the Celtics have had a really tough road to get there. They faced, I think, without a doubt, just objectively a lot tougher opponents than the Warriors have had to. Oh, I, but, I, no doubt. Yeah, that's no doubt, no doubt. But does that mean that they're going to be more prepared, have seen more shit? You could go either way with it. Right? And they're ready to go, or does that mean that they're gassed and are just going to be like not fully healthy with Marcus and Rob and guys like that? And are the Warriors ready to go, or are the Warriors like they got to face Jokic and a bunch of guys who play at the YMCA? And and uh, and Memphis without Jaw and Luca and a bunch of you know just players who no one's gonna remember too much here from now. So yeah, I think we're gonna find out. I think and again, I'm hearing that Iguodala uh, 
Otto Porter and Gary Payton the second could potentially be ready game one. I think that the Warriors, if everything goes right, just have a lot of ammo to throw. And I don't know how consistently like the backup plan and the bench of the Celtics is. I think the stars and the starters of the Celtics are better than the Warriors, but I think like the overall and the best case scenario, Warriors team is better personally. Yeah, to give my opinion kind of on the uh the question you brought up of like, is this cakewalk of a schedule gonna help the Warriors or benefit them? considering the Celtics went through a gauntlet. Um, I just – I think personally, a team like the Warriors, it doesn't matter who they went through. It, it just matters that they're here now. When it's an inexperienced team, um, like let's say Boston went through this type of schedule. Obviously, they didn't. But like if they got to the finals without really playing any fierce competition, I think it would be a little bit uh, – have an effect on them. But the Warriors know what they're getting into. They've played in the biggest stage ever, like all the time. They're, they kind of see these games almost as like warm-ups. They, not obviously, not actual warm-ups, but they're tuning up. They're getting ready. They've played in, they played against LeBron like how many times in the finals? The Celtics aren't, uh, well, actually, they, they could say they are better than some of those LeBron teams. Um, but the hunger, I think, that these Golden State Warriors are going to have is just something that I don't think can match on the Celtics side. And just, I think the Celtics are just too banged up. The Warriors, like you said, are getting healthy, getting their guys back. I think if Robert Williams isn't playable, it's going to be a major, major problem for Boston. No, I completely agree. Um, But I I feel like he's getting kind of like this relief pitcher treatment, you know? He's in for a game, out for a game, in for a game. And he looks like, when he's playing, he looks like decent. He's like 75%. And then he's out for a game, he's missing it, and they clearly miss him. And then when he actually is playing, you know, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. So, yeah, you, I don't really You can get, get away with that against a team like the Heat. I don't think you can against a team like the Warriors. See, I don't know, because I feel like their size on the Warriors isn't uh, as daunting as it was on the Heat. Or more Milwaukee, for that matter. The... The Heat, I mean, the Warriors are a lot smaller than either one of those teams. Yeah, in general, I, I don't hate that. But I just – it's not even about the the size and, like, the matchup of Robert Williams for me. It's just the – who like, they the Celtics have, like, legitimately six guys who are, like, playoff caliber pl- players. And without him, they, they're down to pretty much five. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just the amount of who's going to – like, is Tice going to be getting minutes then? Because he's going to get abused. Pritchard cannot play in this series. Because the second Pritchard steps on the court, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, or Clay are going to go right out. That's the last. Just, one. just like Jimmy did, yeah. Exactly. Like Derek White is probably the only guy uh, who will be able to play off the Celtics bench. Like, and, and then and like, obviously, well, obviously Grant, but I hate him. But I'm I'm saying if Robert Williams was out, assuming Grant goes into the into the. Sorry, gotcha, gotcha. Which is just like the opposite end of the spectrum we've talked about. But that the Warriors have like maybe 14 guys that I'd be cool if they're playing. Which is crazy. Yes. You think even stinky Bielitsa plays? I think is going to get minutes. I, I don't think we're going to get much uh, Kaminga or Moody this series. I think they've kind of had their uh, – their, their uh, well, I don't know what the word is. They're tuning up, per se, their experience. They gained their experience in the playoffs. But now Steve's, Steve Kerr is going to have to tighten his rotation a little bit. And especially if we get Gary Payton, Otto Porter, those guys are going to be the ones playing. Yeah. 
I mean, I'll go ahead. I'll ruin it. I want to end this podcast like we have been with a lot of the ones in the postseason with what you guys think is the most exciting thing to watch out for. I'll, I'll spoil mine. For me, I was so surprised that Andrew Wiggins locked up Luca. If he could be, like, not even above that, if he could stay the same like he was last season, if he could be that consistent of a two-way player like guard Jason or guard Jalen, and get like 15 to 20 a game. I think that's it. You know, like having like your big three of Steph, Dre, and Clay and Wiggins, that could be really dangerous. I don't know if the Celtics have a four like that. I don't know. Uh, maybe you're right, but I feel that I, I still am not sold on Clay. I know he's had a couple of big games in the playoffs. You're right. Um, I don't. I haven't really been too much of a fan of him. Here's an interesting stat I I have, um, that Draymond and Steph have been better on the court without Clay Thompson. So this season, when we've had uh, Steph Curry and Draymond on the floor and Clay Thompson off, the Warriors had through both the regular season and the playoffs, the Warriors have a net rating of. 13.4 and when it's all three of them they only have a net rating of 9.4 and then when it's just clay and no steph and draymond they have a net rating of 1.7 so wait i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna refute your point by saying i'll give you 20 bucks if you could tell me what net, net rating means. net rating means good <laughs> or bad Higher net rating is good. <laughs> it's just the team performing better in that scenario, right? Yeah, it, it's like war or vorp. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those stats we all know that like it means something good. Uh, yeah, but you know, I you're right. But again, it goes back to my point. They haven't played together in two years. It was obviously going to take some time to warm up. They've yeah. been be- they've clearly been better, especially in the last series. Clay finished strong, which I think is huge. And if it gets to game six, you're toast. No, I I would agree. Um, they still haven't lost at home yet, which is crazy. But the Celtics play better on the road than they do at, at home, which is also crazy. So I feel like there's a, a big uh, cancellations on both sides for both teams, um, which is why I really think this can go either way. Um, I will also say that what I saw Jason Tatum do the last three series is absurd especially in game seven, he hit a couple huge shots against Miami late in the fourth that those are the two biggest shots of like the postseason so far. Yeah. I that, agree. That one, like three from the left wing and then the one like out of bounds, like Kobe freaking step. Yeah. Where he just cooked Jimmy. That was crazy. Awesome. And like, that was the one thing that I think was missing, I think from the Celtics, which is a little bit scary that we just saw it right before the finals is like they, their ability to like, kind of close out these games and like forcefully put an exclamation point on them. And yeah, they almost still screwed it up, but like seeing that ability that they know they could go to Jason Tatum down the stretch. And we know like, uh, well, I don't like to say it, but Steph has had some issues closing some games sometimes. Uh, John, John doesn't hate to say it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, the minute he hits a buzzer beat in this series, I'm flipping my Celtics and six to the Warriors and whatever. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it just goes down to the fact that Jason and Jalen just sometimes suck at dribbling. And, like, they turn it over so much. Yep. And you know the Warriors are going to be smart, have a game plan. 
like heat culture yeah that's a thing but also warriors culture like it's just as fucking talent they know exactly what they're going to be doing their game they've been game planning for the celtics for almost a week and a half now draymond's like yeah we're playing the celtics we know we're playing the celtics yeah no uh you're right i will say though the horford minutes this these playoffs have been very diet draymond and how he's able to just help without scoring all the time he's just a great playmaker and defender he's he's on a new level he's been amazing yeah i i so it's cool to see those two going against each other as well um but yeah no i think oh go ahead no my my apologies Well, I was just gonna say, I think, I think, um, at the end of the day, for me, uh, I'm gonna, I'll have to pick the Celtics, obviously, but I'm gonna say Celtics in seven. Um, I think this is take a full seven. Wow. I think it's gonna take a full seven just because these two teams match up completely well against each other. My my ultimate uh, decision. I'm going Warriors in six. It's a game six. Clay closeout. And wow. And I just think in a vacuum at the end of the day, I said it going into the Heat series and it was kind of true and it almost cost them. I just don't think the Celtics have the depth. I think they're too banged up. I just don't see a way that anyone other than those top six-ish seven guys can even play in this series without getting completely annihilated. My thing is, is that two of those top six guys are so good. And when they are on fire, Tatum and Brown. They look like the best players on the court. And that's what I was about to go to and why I want I really do want to lock in Celtics and six. I think it's just a little bit safer, which is crazy. I think you need a lot of things to go the Warriors way. And like, I'm telling you, if the Celtics win, it's like, wow, that's incredible. Like this young team put together, this is going to be a team that will dominate the conference. Or if the Warriors pull this off and win this year on a year that they were expected to like maybe start to look good again, they weren't expected to win a title this year. If they win a title this year, it's like literally like the Showtime Lakers, the 90s Bulls, and this Warriors team is like the three best eras of basketball like ever in modern history because they would have to win on what they're defined as. And what they're defined as and what's been most exciting – about the Warriors isn't Steph Curry. It's it's not Dre's defense. It's not game six clay. It's it's making the extra pass and having random guys step up. And I think it can be done, but I think it's just less likely than the stars being better on the Warriors than on the Celtics. Yeah, but there's also just Steph Curry in general too. Let's not say that the Celtics stars here completely overwhelm the Warriors stars. Nope. I just feel safer with Celtics. Yes. I'm with you, John. Greatest point really of all time. It starts today. It starts tomorrow. Or I guess it does start today. It's past midnight. Can't believe it. Amazing. All right. Well, I think we want to close it out with John's favorite thing is deciding X factors of games. <laughs> I wish I loved Call one me. thing in the world as much as John loves picking X factors. <laughs> Call me the X-Man, not men. It's an X-Man solo. Um, so I already kind of said mine, so I'll be quick on it. But I think Clay Thompson is going to be the huge factor here. 
Um, if he can show up with a little bit more consistency than he has, the Warriors are going to succeed. And I think if the Celtics are able to take him out of the game completely they, uh, and leave it up to Steph to play, be playing hero ball a little bit, it's going to definitely hurt them a little bit. Does anyone want to make a friendly wager? Maybe like 20 bucks? On, uh, on what? I, I say Clay Thompson averages more points per game than Jalen Brown in the series. I will I'll, I'll take that. I am that confident in Clay. Just everything I've seen, he wants this more than anything. I'm so excited for him to be back in this scenario. They want this so bad. I'm so confident in these boys. All right, man. I'll, I'll take that. Let's do it. Uh, my X Factor, I mean, John, you already kind of said Wiggins. You said uh, Clay. Those would probably be mine. Uh, so I'm actually, I'll throw it to the other side. Uh, since I picked the Warriors, I'm going Marcus Smart on the other side. Uh, I actually placed a small wager for Marcus Smart to win Finals MVP. Um, I think you're crazy. That, well, so here's the logic. I think he really is the X factor in the series. I think if the Celtics do find a way to win, it's because he shut down Steph Curry, and I think that narrative is going to build because if Steph, if he doesn't shut down Steph Curry, the Warriors are going to win. Simply put, if Steph Curry is averaging 25 to 30 they're not going to be able to uh, win the series. So if Marcus limits him to like 20 a game and like bad shooting, and if he's able to knock down threes on his own end, I think that's going to be the big difference because Jason Tatum is going to get his 30 a game. Jalen's going to get his 20 a game, but I just do not see anyone else on the Celtics being able to score. So he's going to have to, and he can't be almost choking away games like he did at the end of game seven. He needs to be like middle of game seven where he was, just hitting, hitting the open shots, doing the right play every time. He's the key to the Celtics winning this game, uh, winning the series. It's not Tatum. It's not Brown. It's got to be him. All right, John, Loves it. what's yours? Mine's Wiggins. And I think, I don't know, we hear a lot of, a lot of people say this. Our favorite pod, podcast says a lot, but there's just a number one pick on this team that is waiting to erupt. And when he turns on, it looks like he gives a shit. It helps out on defense so much, and it just adds a whole other layer of consistent offense. Mine is Andrew Wiggins. And I agree, John, too, in the sense that, like, he's really the only warrior that I, like, am a little worried about because he hasn't been on this stage, you know? Like, you could be worried yeah. about – I'm like I've already reiterated, I just am not worried about Clay. I don't know. I Maybe I'm in over my head. Maybe I should be. I've been backing him this whole time where everybody else has been like, eh, he's not that good anymore. But, like, Wiggins – he, has, he could just not show up in the finals. Like, he could be overwhelmed. You never know what could happen. He's going to get 16 points in one oh. game, and then he'll shock the world and get 17 the next. Well, it's it's not even about that, though. It's right. It's about what can he do on Tatum. Because if Tatum just absolutely owns him, then there's, like, they're in a lot of trouble. But, like, his specific task, the Warriors are going to tell him, dude, we don't, like, we need you to rim run, we need you to rebound, whatever. But your main goal is trying to slow down, trying to make life difficult on Jason Tatum like he did for Luka. And he was incredible at it against Luka. If he, he should theoretically be able to do it against Tatum, but, like, who knows on a final stage. That's why I think, like, in a vacuum, I agree, John. I think I would have put him as my biggest X factor for the Warriors. Well, and we know we can expect it to because he was an all-star starter. <laughs> so, that's true. I mean, you can only expect the best for him. Sky's the limit, really. I, I still can't believe he's an all-star starter, dude. It's ridiculous. Well, as don't get of- me wrong. I, Steph haters will use it if they lose to be, wow, Steph had 
four and three extra all-stars and you still couldn't get it done oh dude no i just oh that sucks that's totally gonna be a thing i'm pissed i think the warriors actually have more in line this more to gain than the celtics do they have they, i i agree they have more on the line and more to gain. like i think they're gonna get criticized more if they lose and they're gonna get way more yeah accolade like praise if they win because celtics lose it's like god damn it that would have been so sick and like a changing of the card like this team is here. Yeah, but like, they're still so young, you know. It's like exactly. Yeah, around, like, 24, the 25. Warriors win, people are like, oh my god. Like it's it'd be so like cementing for them, like do so much for Curry, because people are like, Yeah, he won that first one, but like it's kind of up in the air, like who it really, really was. I don't think so so much with those KD years. It was always KD kind of getting to do whatever Steph was oh, getting. He was double teams. He was right, so much more they looked saw, at the stats. You uh, saw Kevin freaking out about that on Twitter did, this very week. Did you guys see the stats on that? Yeah, I did. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was really in three really months. In t- they said he was double teamed seven times more. Uh, and then Katie's like, that's whack. That's wrong. And then they like looked into it and he was actually double teamed 20 times more. <laughs> Insane. I, my favorite tweet about from this entire week has been uh, this guy who goes, Katie and Kyrie played. Us against the world, and the world won. <laughs> the world won big time, and I couldn't be more happy about that. Seeing their two former teams square off in the finals while they're just like left to the, the crumbling city of Brooklyn, where nobody even cares about them. God, what happens to Kevin Durant's legacy if the Warriors win? Yeah, uh, honestly, this like I don't give a shit. Like fuck his legacy. Like it would like it would be amazing to like be able to say, like, oh, fuck you, Katie. Your titles, like, even though they were meaningless before, now they're clearly meaningless. It'd be crazy. He's definitely worse for the Celtics. I, I'm in for one of the worst off-seasons of my life if the Warriors lose this. I'll be so upset because the, the amount of Steph Curry hate I'm going to see is going to crush me. Amazing. Well, it's definitely going to be fun. I'll tell you that. I'm excited to check out the first game on Thursday and hopefully... Next time we record, we'll probably do after game three, around game three, halfway through the series, and uh, we'll check it out. And remember, no one overreact uh, until a road team wins. We can't we can't overreact until a road team wins a game. Wait, you're going to remind me, who has home court advantage over the series? Uh, the Warriors. That's not good. <laughs> the Celtics, that's not good. No, that's what – that's – if if they're gonna close it out in six, John, it's game six clay. I don't know if you're gonna be able to close it out against him. Yeesh. <laughs> All right, but yeah, we're very excited for it. Um we're like Riley said, we'll be back some point next week to catch up on everything going on. I don't know how well do they play every three days, every two days? Do we know what it is? So it's Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. Oh, so they do they get like two days off now. Yeah. All right, that's good. Get the guys some rest. It'll be much more interesting. I'm very happy with the the two teams we got in the finals here. I think it really is probably the two best teams. In, or I don't. You can say what you want about the Suns, but at the end of the day, I think it was the two best teams in each conference because the Suns turned into a disaster, which is very fun, good for the league. Like we said earlier, going to be really exciting. Just a good brand of basketball, hopefully. Um, and I think I saw that the. Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 was, like, one of the higher-rated games, like, in a really long time. So, hopefully it keeps up that way. We get a lot of viewership. 
good for the NBA. Basketball is back. Anything else, fellas, before we go? I'm actually way more excited about this finals than I was last year. Uh, me too, yeah. Like, as much as I wanted Giannis to win, um, this just, like, has personal – I mean, Riley obviously has his personal stuff. I have my personal stuff. John, you have less personal stuff, but I think you can just really sit back and enjoy it as a basketball fan, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, right. So, yeah. All right, stay tuned to everything we got on at Whovian's Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Again, I said the last pod that we were doing a football – podcast that just never happened maybe it'll come this week <laughs> I've, i haven't seen jp in like six days so i don't know uh but we'll we'll, we'll try and get it out for you uh other than Hello? that yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen i don't i don't want to say that word on the air because i don't know what it means <laughs> um but yeah uh we'll, we'll catch you guys in like a week have a good uh enjoy the first few games of the finals Hope fades. Hope fades.